There aren't many expenses that you can cut without sacrificing or negatively impacting an aspect of your life, but this is actually one of them, and it can save you over $1,000 a year, which is pretty significant. You know, there was a time when changing your cell phone carrier was this hassle and required you to manually input all of your numbers and text everybody you know and say, this is my new number, but it's not like that anymore. This is a fairly simple way to create a cash cushion in your monthly budget. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And today we are talking about your cell phone bill. Cell phone. Yes. This is one of those things that almost everybody has. I think the latest stat that I read was 97% of Americans have a cell phone. But if picking a healthcare plan is unnecessarily complicated, then picking a cell phone plan is like a close second for me. 97%. So who doesn't have a cell phone? Like kids, babies? Is that how they count? <laughs> I don't know. That can't be right. It's like <laughs> I guess it's 97% of American households, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. The population can't be That's the percentage. Houseless percent? Like, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> but even people experiencing homelessness yeah, like have... A, like a prepaid um, Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them do. Yeah, yeah, but I'm at, I don't know, but yeah, that just seems like you might as well just round up to 100. Maybe not a lot. That yeah. feels like an exaggeration. Okay. Some of them do. Look at you throwing out faulty stats. Anyway, I know. <laughs> Let me start this with a lie. 97%. <laughs> Everybody. Let's start. I want to I want to take a, a trip down memory lane 10 years ago, 2012. Like 10, 2012 was 10 years ago. That's when we met. But I'm talking about smartphones. So smartphones in 2012, uh, they eclipsed dumb phones, right? Like non-smart, less intelligent phones. What would we call them phones? Blackberries? <laughs> Just phones. Oh, that's a terrible Blackberry joke. Was a Blackberry considered a smartphone? Yeah, it had uh, data capabilities. Things, a Motorola smartphone Razor. is like... Was the Razor a smartphone? That's not a smart. Uh, it was Wi-Fi probably, enabled is probably what made it a smartphone. I think so. I don't know. It's so natural. It was just a phone. It, like it wasn't it was necessarily just dumb. It's just the only purpose of the phone, phone was to make phone calls. You couldn't text. You couldn't search. Look at the weather. Oh my! You could gosh. play like Snake or whatever that other game was. But. All right. Let me let me let me not lose my track any further than I already have. Ten years ago, it was 2012, smartphones for the first time eclipsed, I guess, non-smartphones. And more than half of Americans owned a smartphone. So basically like just over 51%. That had grown from the prior year, 2011, from 38%. Now, of those people, only 26% of them admitted at the time that they would rather give up their laptop or the computer than their smartphone. And when I think back to even our time working in corporate then, I think that was one of the earlier time periods where people were beginning to make the transition, like, I don't need a laptop. So that that kind of makes sense to me. Like, some people were just starting to say, I'm going to work exclusively or more on my smartphone. Back then, smartphone users were spending, this sounds crazy, 39 minutes per day using their apps, which is also up from 10% the year before. The last point I'll make here, is that at the time, the monthly cell phone bill was $71. So fast forward a decade later, it's 2022. It's actually now 2023. And Americans are more likely to own a smartphone than they are a computer, right? So like job done, we mm-hmm. are, are fundamentally attached to our smartphones. You only really use a laptop if you really got to grind to get into data. But for the most part, you can really do everything on your smartphone. Smartphones are in 84% of households now versus only 78% of households 
households um, having a computer. So, wow. Uh, And daily smartphone usage has grown to three hours and 34 minutes a day. So basically 5x in about 10 years. And according to Moneyline, the average monthly cell phone bill uh, in 2022 has grown from $71 in 2012 to $114 in 2022. And that's actually low compared to some of the other averages I've seen. I've Correct. seen 144. Correct. I've seen 171. Yeah. So. And I, it's the people who have the smart watches and all yeah. the other data, supplementary data devices that are attached to their phone plans, all of those things come without activation fees and data premiums, insurance, you name it, all those things get sort of added on to that. So uh, yeah, $114 is still a lot of money, but again, that's the average. So for the most part, we know half of Americans are paying more than that. And those below are probably doing something right. Right. <laughs> Okay, so y'all know that January and February are the time where surveys and reports start coming out about the previous year. And to no surprise, a new survey came out in January and found that nearly three quarters of consumers were worried about how inflation will impact their ability to pay bills in the future. Mm -hmm. So they came out with this list of the top 10 most common household bills that consumers are worried about paying in 2023. And the essential bills like rent and car payments are on the list, but they're towards the bottom because people are understandably prioritizing, you know, the roof over their head and the car that gets them to work. They're not worried about those bills. At the very top of the list, though, are utilities. Of the 70% of consumers who are concerned about paying bills in the future, 73% cite utilities as a top concern. 63% said car insurance. We've seen a lot of people complaining that their car insurance has gone up over the years, presumably because there are so many new cars on the road. Mm-hmm. 63% said cable and internet were a top concern. And a whopping 62% said that their mobile phone was a top concern, their phone bill. Yeah. So if you're one of the 62% that are worried about about this bill that just keeps coming every month for an essential thing that you use, or you still have a phone service through a major carrier like Verizon or AT&T, this episode is for you because we're going to talk about five different ways that you can save money on your cell phone bill. Some of them are big things and some of them are smaller things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So before we get into the tips on how to save, I think it's important to start with analyzing your current plan and take a close look at what you're already paying for. So you want to look at your usage details to see how you use data for that period, keeping in mind that every payment is an advance for the next month, plus any fees for the usage in the last month. So, and I know this can be confusing. It's been confusing for me too. The bill you pay in, let's say, February, February, that $114, assuming you're the average American, is an advance payment for March, plus any usage fees you incurred in January. Right. All right. So it's a combination of like you're paying in advance plus and then the past. Paying the difference of what you might have overused. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> In the month before. Exactly. So so that's the first thing. The second thing is you also want to look at uh, things like credits and the payment section to see any bill changes since the last statement period, especially if you've changed your service lately. Last, but certainly not least, you'll want to look at the bill details if you have multiple lines bundled into your plan to see if there are recurring patterns with anyone else's usage on your phone. Once you've looked at a few statements, you will then have a better understanding of what you're currently paying for and where any potential savings can come from. So you don't want to just jump at the idea that you can save money by switching carriers without actually knowing exactly what you're paying for. You want to kind of go 
cell phone plan shopping, knowing or having a better idea of what's actually going to work for you and potentially anyone else that might be affected by changing your plan. Yeah. Picking a cell phone is kind of like a relationship in the sense that the more that you know before you commit, the better off you'll be. And one of the most important, if not the most important metric to know is how much data you'll need, simply because carriers base their pricing and their plans around that figure. It used to be minutes. Remember, you used to buy packets of minutes, and now you're basically buying data. So you want to think about data the same way that you think about electricity in your home. Just about everything on your phone uses data, whether you are sending a picture or using ways to avoid traffic or Google Maps, whatever you use, you are using data unless you're on Wi-Fi, which we'll get to in just a second. So again, it's important to know how much data you're currently using. And if you don't have access to your bill, assuming you're maybe not the primary account holder or you don't remember your password, you can also use your phone to see how much data you're using. If you have an iPhone, it's under settings, then go to cellular, then current period, and you'll see your data usage there. If you have an Android, it's under settings, the network and internet, and then you'll see your total data use under the mobile tab. Yeah, so most people hear how important data is and they automatically assume they should just opt into an unlimited plan. Like, I don't want to have to worry about that. I don't want to think about it. Let me just get unlimited, which is exactly what they want you to do, right? Everybody wants to stream and download without ever worrying about hitting a max. But the truth is, most people don't need an unlimited data plan, especially now that so many of us are working from home and free Wi-Fi is more prevalent and readily available in public places. This reminds me of, Uh, back in the day, which feels like it would have been around 10 years ago as well, when I was doing the math on whether or not we needed a cable uh, internet plan. And I was like, you know what? They still have DSL. Mm -hmm. I was like, they still had DSL plans back then, which at the time was still like people were clowning. It was like, are you crazy? That's (laughs) like having dial up. But the reality was, I think we had Gosh, even back then, I think we had an Echo. There were multiple iPads, multiple, maybe four phones because it was a personal phone plus mm-hmm. uh, the work phone. Probably two, three other things. And that's all those things. And we and I calculated and I was like, we actually still don't need unlimited data, mm-hmm. and, which is one of the reasons why we went ahead, made the switch, saved maybe $30, $40 a month, rode that thing out for at least two, three more years. So all of that to say, I think... That's kind of the exercise that we're asking people to do. And if you, like me, come to the conclusion that you do not need to have the biggest, the most unlimited uh, data plan that's out there, the very first tip that we have for you guys is to downgrade your unlimited plan. And I want to give you a few reasons why. Number one, with unlimited plans, the total amount of data you can use is unlimited. But in a lot of cases, the data speed is still limited, right? Mm -hmm. That's how they get you. Correct. Correct. The carriers, basically the big four, they are not putting a cap on how much you can use, but they're still limiting it in a sense that they slow your data down after you've reached a certain threshold. So once you hit that, your carrier throttles back that 4G, that 5G, that LTE down to 2G or 3G. And when your data speed is lower, that's when things like the Zoom call start freezing and (laughs) the Netflix starts buffering 
thing. Yes. And that does, that's where the whole can you hear me now thing comes from. <laughs> can you hear me now? You're, you're connected <laughs> to the 4G or the 5G. That's great. You have unlimited data. But like if you think about it, we're dealing with just as many drop offs that we are now as we kind of always have been. And that's no surprise to the point where the FTC caught up and was like, you know what? This is a problem. People are complaining about it. And so recently, AT&T uh, and the Federal Trade Commission reached a $60 million settlement with AT&T because they found that AT&T customers who had unlimited data plans between October 2011 and June 2015 had their data throttled by AT&T, mm-hmm. slowing down the internet speed after they used a certain amount of data in the billing cycle. And they did not disclose to their customers that this would happen. So yes. they realized that's janky. You guys shouldn't be doing that. It reminds me of well, it's not so that they shouldn't companies. be doing it. They shouldn't be doing it without disclosing it. Correct. So they still do this, but now they tell you in the middle of all that fine print on that 40-page contract that now you Now you have unlimited, <laughs> but that's in terms of what you <laughs> yeah, can use. Right. Your speed, on the other hand, you know, yeah. just depending on what's going on or how much you're using it, we're going to go ahead and pull that back in. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next two weeks is going to be terrible. And then you're just going to wonder, like, what's going on? Is it the weather? Right. That's what people say. Oh, it must be because it's, it's raining somewhere. Yeah, it must it's be like, the no, location. It's not. It's like it's we're in the middle of a major city. It's not the location. No. There are cell phone towers all around. No, there's no it's jets that overhead. You have been on Instagram too much this month. Exactly. <laughs> and AT&T was like, that's enough for you. Which should not be the issue. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> Now, unlimited data plans may not be right for the average user, but there are some folks who this is great and maybe even necessary for. So if you don't have Wi-Fi at home, perhaps because you live in a rural area or because 4 or 5G cell phone plan is cheaper than the internet, this is a good option for you. Unlimited data is a good option for you. Now, if you also travel often and can't be sure what the Wi-Fi quality is going to be wherever you go, then investing more heavily in your data might also be a really good idea. Right. For you, if you deal with sensitive content on your phone, you might be wary of using public Wi-Fi for good reasons. So, yes, you might decide that using unlimited data is necessary. But for everybody else, I highly, highly recommend that you look at your data usage and see if unlimited data is the right option for you. I'm willing to bet that most people use less than half of the data needed to downgrade like immediately to a readily available plan without question like downgrade from unlimited like i'm telling you right now when you do the math it's like not even close (laughs) to what you think especially if you to your point are the type of person that works from home spends a lot of time at home like you really really will not be using a lot of data at all but there is a second tip for those people who still use a lot of data but and want an unlimited plan, but don't want to pay as much. The second tip is that you do not have to lock yourself into a long-term contract in order to get unlimited data. You can look into a prepaid unlimited data plan. Today, several wireless carriers offer prepaid unlimited data plans that don't lock you into those old, rigid, long-term contracts. T-Mobile, for example, has the Magenta plan for $70 a line per month. If you want the big daddy of unlimited plans, you can go with Verizon's Get More Unlimited plan, which is somewhere around $90 a month. Both of those options, again, significantly cheaper than the $114 or $144 per line that people are paying. Now, 
Each of these plans still offer unlimited data usage, but they also cap the speed at a certain threshold. With T-Mobile, it's at 50 gigabytes, and with Verizon, it's at 75 gigabytes, which is, again, significantly more than the average data use of cell phone users. The average is around 16 to 20 gigabytes. But again, if you're using your data as an alternative to internet, you could hit those thresholds easily. So when you check your data usage on your phone or on your cell phone bill, look at those 50 and 75 gigabyte ranges as that's when they'll start to throttle it back. You know, what's interesting about this is you're, you're, you're saying that one of the other things that people can do is to get a prepaid unlimited data plan. But when you think about the actual billing structure and you're prepaying for the next months, like that's technically (laughs) what you already have, (laughs) but they're pricing it a little differently. Like it's just this tiny little thing. You technically are prepaying for unlimited data, correct? but it's a different sort of billing structure this way. Anyway, (laughs) prepaid unlimited data plans. They are not just limited, no pun intended, to the big carriers. Uh, There's another option, which leads to our third tip, which is to switch to a smaller provider altogether. These smaller providers are oftentimes called MVNO, Mobile Virtual Network Operators. Now, the number one feedback we get, negative pushback, if you will, is to say, I don't want to change my phone number. Let's just get that out of the way. It's 2023. You do not have to change your phone number to switch carriers. Like, yes. Let me say that again. It's you 2023. You do not have to change your phone number to We're switch not carriers. talking about singular wireless here. You do not have to change your phone number to switch carriers. A carrier cannot legally force you to change it. And you basically retain your phone through a process called porting, which we're not going to get into. I just want to say it one more time. You do not have to change your phone number, okay? Now, mobile virtual network operators, MVNOs. You may have heard of companies like Metro, Mint Mobile with, uh, what's that, Ryan Reynolds, I mm-hmm. believe. He's co-owner of it. Uh, Republic Wireless, Cricket Wireless, Boost Mobile. There are several of them out there, but basically they're smaller companies that attach themselves to the big four carrier networks. So that's Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, which is technically now T-Mobile. the big three. I know. Was it T-Sprint or I don't know what they call them. <laughs> These smaller carriers, they exist to provide mobile services to a niche customer group that the big carriers are currently unable or in some cases unwilling to serve. So if you're thinking about people who prefer prepaid plans or who don't need a bunch of data or are using the phone for their small business only, these MVNOs don't have their own wireless network. They partner with the big guys and essentially buy some of the infrastructure and then sell or lease that data to people uh, at a lower cost because they don't have the same overhead. So they can basically afford to do that, which is why they're so attractive because the huge benefit of going at these guys is that they are really inexpensive. We're talking like $20 a month for basic plans with Sufficient data, but can go as low as even $5 a month. If you start thinking about plans for a kid or something like that, if you don't need a lot of data, like this is really for you. And even when they do offer things like unlimited data plans, the cost is like 22,000 prices, $30 (laughs) to $40 a month. So now it's not perfect, right? The downside is that the unlimited data plan, that threshold where they throttle the speed is lower. They do the same things that the other guys do. So they're going to be throttling you back uh, if you reach certain caps. Uh, So that's something to be mindful of. The other downside is that although you get the same connectivity as a parent network, you're not always going to be prioritized. So there's a bunch of Big three users on the network, they're obviously going to prioritize the data with um, to those users versus the person who's with Cricket or Metro. 
intro or something like that. So those are the things that uh, you really want to be mindful of. Yeah. To counter those issues, to counter those downsides, several MVNOs use a Wi-Fi first data model, which means that if Wi-Fi is available, the carrier is going to use that first Regardless, they're going to do that automatically. So if it is a peak period, but it catches a Wi-Fi signal, your phone is going to latch onto that so that you're not affected when they throttle you down or deprioritize you in terms of the data availability. Because they are Wi-Fi first data models, it actually allows you to save how much data you use, which allows you to opt into a cheaper plan to begin with. Mm -hmm. So if you're at home, it's going to use your... Wi-Fi. As soon as you leave the range of your router, it's going to ping the nearest cell phone tower and you don't have to switch the Wi-Fi on or off or anything like that. It just does it automatically. Right. And that's a nice to have. Most smartphones do that automatically, too. Yes. So who does this make sense for? One, people who have access to reliable Wi-Fi to make up for the spotty coverage that you may receive due to being on a smaller carrier, Mm -hmm. people who prefer prepaid phone plans due to a tight budget or other circumstances. Another type of person this might be good for is if you already have an unlocked and functional cell phone, you can have a plan added to it. So unlike the big carriers who make you kind of buy a phone from them, Mm -hmm. this would be great for kids who can use your hand-me-down technology or maybe an older family member or a teenager who might have lost their phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another type of person this might be good for is if your credit has recently taken a hit. Most of these plans don't require a credit check, which is a nice benefit. And if you just want the flexibility to stop and start your plan at any time, it's another great option for that. So for people who may spend significant amount of time outside of the country or you may not need a a long term cell phone plan because you've got some up and coming transitional moves that you're going to make, this is a good option for you. Okay, so we've talked about looking at your current data usage and where to find it. We've talked about reconsidering the need for unlimited plans or at least looking into prepaid unlimited plans. We've talked about switching carriers altogether. And these last few tips are just for people who are listening like, girl, don't y'all have any low-hanging fruit? Like all of this requires me (laughs) to go somewhere, to call somebody, to switch things up. And the answer is possibly. (laughs) We possibly have some low-hanging fruit. So the fourth tip for you is to make sure that you're not leaving any money on the table. Check your credit cards and your employee benefits to see if there are any discounts available because there usually are. Some credit cards offer cash back premiums for internet and phone services specifically. But even if you have a card that offers just a kickback on every purchase, you can kind of think of it as a little coupon. (laughs) Like It takes a little something off the phone bill. There are also several employers who have partnered with the big four carriers to provide a discount for their employees. So do a quick search on your company intranet or maybe ask your coworkers or shoot a note to HR just to make sure that you're not missing anything by way of an employee discount. Yeah, it's one of those discounts that uh, are not ever going to be considered like a top tier discount. Like you, you, to your point, like there's like a one pager that used to live on the internet somewhere. It's gotten like pushed down because they pushed through like maybe 50 other new benefits. So you may, to your point, actually need to reach out to your HR rep to see like, hey, do we have this plan or do we still have this plan available? Uh, And typically like they do, because I I actually used to know a few people who that was their job, used to try to sell programs or discounts. And I want to say you can get maybe 5%, something like that, like a nice little discount, not a lot, but to your point, low hanging fruit that does not really require anyone to change anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I feel like this is the 
gosh, maybe the hundredth time I've said this in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but the fifth and final tip is to bundle. The word bundle has been coming up quite a bit, maybe because we've been talking about insurance. But bundle, like, yes, that is still a great way to save money. And I would categorize that as low-hanging fruit. Well, maybe not. Low-hanging fruit for people who have friends and family that are willing and trustworthy. <laughs> and who want to save money on their phone bills as well. Find you some friends and family and, like, consider creating a group plan. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, I peeked at each site and that's literally what they start with, right? They start with leading uh, with the group plans because I, I, I guess that's just easier for them or better for them. But their plans are kind of designed for multiple lines. And the first question is, how many lines do you need? The single line plans are kind of pushed all the way to the bottom mm-hmm. or below the fold if you're using marketing speak. All of the big plans offer group plans. And the idea is that rates become more discounted as the number of people on the plan increases. So even though they call these group plans like family plans, you don't actually have to be related. Like they're not yeah. asking you to like prick your finger, send in a DNA, <laughs> DNA test sample. to confirm <laughs> that your chromosomes match with this person. And as a result, here's your low 5% discount. You don't have to do that. A couple of carriers have actually tried marketing packages to friend groups. So like they're actively admitting like, guys, do this. And they didn't see uh, much success. And I would imagine it's because one, it can be awkward to ask your friends, uh, which I get. And two, because of the way that the billing is set up. Uh, so when you sign up for a family plan, you have to designate a primary user. And that person is responsible for paying the bill. In a household, that's easy to wrap your head around. When we start talking about friendships, people you don't share a roof with, the idea of figuring out like how the primary account holder every month and, you know, the sort of trust that comes with that is, 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 I would say, a little challenging. But I would imagine it's not as challenging for people who are also familiar with things like Zelle and Venmo. Like, you know, it's not like just throwing it out there. Like some folks who still bring you a paper check and say, here's what I owe you. (laughs) And you got to go through the whole process, (laughs) which even that is still a little streamlined with mobile deposit. But my point is, It's a hassle for some people, but if you can overcome sort of the awkwardness of it and if you can embrace mobile tech, which I'm pretty sure we've spoken about that, it's actually really simple to like send money to people without also like counting singles and fives and yeah. stuff. I think a good rule of thumb is to not join a group plan with somebody you wouldn't consider living with because it's very much like a trust exercise similar to sharing a lease with somebody. You need to be comfortable enough with them that when extra charges come up, like when they get a new iPhone or an, and the activation fee is added, when those charges come up, you have no problems telling them what they owe you in addition to their normal bill. And with some plans, you have to keep in mind that your accounts are tied together. So if one of you wants to upgrade to an unlimited plan, for example, all of you have to be willing to upgrade. So you got to be willing to have those conversations. Long story short, you just want to know that they're going to pay on time and not leave you hanging with a messed up credit score or a collections case on your hands. Yeah, I was going to say that awkwardness works in both ways, right? If you're the person who is the primary account holder, you're hoping that that everyone else that's in the plan is going to send you your money. If you're not that person, you're kind of trusting that the person who is is going to pay the bill. And to your point, you're not going to be negatively affected uh, by that. So it is a trust exercise, but it is possible and plenty of people are doing it. Yes. And for those who already have a bundle, again, it goes back to the top of the episode when we said, look at those usage patterns among people that are on your bundle. 
if you have someone like a teenager or a tween or a parent that's on your bundle using the same plan that you have, the unlimited plan, the Wahashi Tashi data plan, but they just use it to make phone calls to their friends and family and text you and practices over, you might consider removing them from the bundle and getting them a prepaid plan and saving money that way. It might add up. So again, get creative. Use these tips amongst your whole cell phone plan instead of just like applying them to what you want to do specifically for your line. Yep. All right. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Take us off. All right. My final thought is there aren't many expenses that you can cut without sacrificing or negatively impacting an aspect of your life. But this is actually one of them. And it can save you over a thousand dollars a year, which is pretty significant. You know, there was a time when changing your cell phone carrier was this hassle and required you to manually input all of your numbers and text everybody, you know, and say, this is my new number. But it's not like that anymore. This is a fairly simple way to create a cash cushion in your monthly budget. And so I hope people were able to learn from it or at least at the minimum kind of add this to their doomsday financial plan, right? This is something that you would consider doing if you take a hit to income or you need to come up with some additional money every month. Yeah, I just realized this episode is likely for older millennials who are traumatized by going over <laughs> on data plans and having to change their number and having losing contact sheet. with their yeah. friends and their family <laughs> because they, like, I'm telling you, like, it's not 1990 anymore. Like, <laughs> I get it. You bought into the unlimited plan after we got screwed. Uh, but like you, you've got a lot more flexibility and it's a lot more options available to you. Okay. That's not my final thought. My final thought is actually a, a little simpler. And it's like these, uh, there's also the fact that these are tough times, right? These are tough times. And so while we did offer up a few solutions and tips, some of which were a little bit more complex, uh, some of them were a little easier. Some of us required us to go over, you know, or, or go through some awkward moments. Like the reality is these are still tough times. And so if we're looking for ways to save money, a lot of times people jump to the big stuff. Maybe I need to downsize. Maybe I need to sell things. These are really, really simple things that you can do. Switching your cell phone plan, downgrading uh, from the unlimited plan in a big four carrier to a smaller MVNO carrier and paying anywhere from 5 to $20 a month. Like that is a bit of a no-brainer. I will also say this. Going back to the millennials like us who are financially supporting parents, if you have a parent and they are looking for ways to save, like it's not just a matter of them finding discounted prescription drugs or, you know, selling you know, or doing a junk yard sale or a garage sale or whatever that's called. It's just a yard, yard sale. sale. I'll be calling this stuff junk. junk hall is what I was <laughs> thinking of. My point is, like, these are things that mom and dad can do as well. So, like, if there yeah. are other people that are struggling, like, that's the recommendation for them. Like, hey, uh, you need to borrow fifty dollars. Well, here's a plan. Here's yeah. an idea. Here's something that and you it's should a consider. Fixed cost. It's not yeah. like the regular plans yeah. where it's like you got to pay this month and last month and any charges in between. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's something that I think everyone owes themselves to take a second and to reevaluate, especially considering the fact that cell phone connectivity and mobile networks have not improved in terms of quality service for the last twenty years. They just flat out have not. And so this is an opportunity for a lot of folks to save money. Um, and I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. So yes. downgrade away. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. If you are listening on your phone, I'm sure you can look down and see whether that little Wi-Fi signal is on. If it is, that means you're not using your data. So you can head on over to the Apple ratings and review page and leave us a five-star review for free. 
Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.